0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket. I'm Matt Fonslow, and you're not. So, I guess to really start out, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Napa Auto Care. Since its relaunch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member site has continued to evolve to keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, benefits, and other information available to help their businesses thrive. If you're a Napa Auto Care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal. Not a Napa Auto Care center? Contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store to learn more about how you can join the Napa family. So I was kind of thinking about things... I guess, like I normally do, which usually gets pretty random. I've gotten a couple of emails and messages from listeners, which I really, really appreciate. I, you know, keep them coming, Uh, ideas, thoughts, stuff like that. It does mean a tremendous amount. But a few are asking me for like advice or, you know, how do you get to be where you're at? And I mean, first of all, not even to just play the you know Scott Mana modesty card, but the reality is, is I don't know what that even means. I don't know what success means short of being happy and or content. You know, I suppose you they have to be both, right? It'd be tough to be happy but not content or malcontent. But I don't even know what that means. I still feel like I have further to go, more money to try to make, not just for me, but the shop and everybody else there to get better at what I do because I still make mistakes. I still flub, take too long to do something. I think in retrospect, I should have been able to do much faster. It's really tough for me to acknowledge uh, success or try to at least involve my name in that. But I guess trying to take a step back and with the outside looking in, I I, I guess I can see why that would be as well. You know what? My answer is luck, which sounds maybe like I'm trying to escape out the back, but I've put a fair bit of thought in this, which I guess doesn't mean a whole lot. (laughs) So what? There's a lot of things I think about that I don't think lend much credence, but whatever. I think about it. I've thought about this a lot and then I started digging. This may end up being my most controversial episode ever. I don't even know if I have much for controversial episodes. I suppose the uh, magnetic fields one could have been considered controversial and whatever, but that this may end up being fairly controversial, especially to those who deem themselves successful, feel they're successful, believe people when they tell them that they're successful that I am going to attribute a large portion of their success and whatever my success is to luck. I'm not trying to make this sound like it's all about me, really not. But if we're going to have a discussion and we'll just, for the sake of this discussion, say that I have some level of success, that whatever level that is, that's desirable, that first of all, there's a lot of things that go towards it that I had nothing to do with. I had no choice in the matter. It's pure luck. One, I was born in the United States of America. Okay. That's pure dumb luck. Two, I was born white. That's just the reality. Three, I was born male. So those things right out of the gate put me in a very elite company worldwide for success, just right out of the gate. And now, I mean, I'll try a little bit to try to focus more on just the profession now, how it's affected me professionally. And, you know, I think these are things that have contributed to it. And they're all really just me being lucky. I was born on a farm. I was born on a farm when it was still necessary to be able, and not just necessary, necessary is not the right word, but still reasonable, reasonably possible to do on the fly repairs. So if the baler broke down, it was still within, maybe not just, not mine. I don't want to say like me specifically, but the farmers, operators of this equipment could get it back up and running without needing like a technician there or a laptop. You know, if we're talking about modern farming, a lot of times that involves a laptop and some hack software back then didn't need any of that. No joke. Hammer, vice grips, bailing wire, duct tape could get you a long ways. And then usually there is a busted down baler parked in the weeds somewhere that you could go rob parts off of. Or if we didn't have one, someone we knew had one and you could call them up and say, hey, you know, you still got that old baler back there. Yep. Do you th- still think it has whatever PTO on it? Oh no, that's been gone for years, but you know who has one, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You could run over, grab it. Swap stuff later, pay money, whatever. That's really rough to do nowadays. So I was lucky that there. Another one, my grandparents owned a farm implement dealer. And I don't mean that for the ability, the ability to fix the baler in the field. I'm talking about from a relatively young age on up uh, into, well, the farm implement portion would have been into middle school. May, yeah, I think middle school. It have been they would uh, let go of the uh, farm implement portion, the Massey Ferguson and New Holland equipment. When I was going into high school, but all the way up through there, summers, weekends, days off of school, a lot of times I would get to go up to the implement and hang out either with my grandpa. Some of the guys in the back were really good to me, really, really good to me, to let me watch, to let me help, to let me feel like I was helping. And a lot of times if I was going to do something later, uh, you know, if they felt like, okay, let's see, let's let them go goof around with this. I would mimic what I saw. I didn't even necessarily know exactly why I was doing it. I just saw Roger do it. And that got me into the game. Like that got me close. If they came over to help or check on me, they're at least like, I see where you're doing. That's a good beginning. Let me show you something else. Or let me show you why that wasn't the way to go or something like that. And then still up at the implement. You know, I know I've said multiple times not that this has to do so much with fixing cars, but my grandpa stuck me on a forklift. The forklift we had up there was basically like it looked like a backwards tractor. it wasn't really it was a real front to back forklift, but you know a way to describe it was a backwards tractor and at a very, very young age, he had me on there in retrospect, it's absolutely crazy, but again, I think it was about maybe nine ten. Maybe around ten years old, I go out to my dad, who not only farmed the, our farm, which was, you know, I guess without getting into specifics about how much was tillable, but we'll just say over a hundred acres, and then was a rural carrier, uh, as if you want to say that was his primary job. And then when he was done with his route, around two, three o'clock, he'd go up to the implement and really focused on fixing chainsaws, trimmers blowers stuff like that so johns Rood, steel husqvarna were the lines that we sold up there and he worked on everything i mean mccullough home light you know all that junk that's what they brought up there and he would fix that stuff one day and i'm pretty sure i was around 10 i go to my dad and say hey i want to fix chainsaws and he kind of scoffed a little bit but he went up to the there's a machine shed up there a pretty big machine shed and they would collect used chainsaws. So if people traded in a chainsaw and another chainsaw, they would take the used one. And if it wasn't really able to be or worth getting running to sell used, they would throw it in a kind of a big bin. So we had the John's Rude bin, the Husqvarna bin, the steel bin, the Home light bin, so on and so forth. He went up and he grabbed a couple of John's Rood chainsaws, 621s for those of you keeping score. Neither one ran on its own. He told me to make one good one. I'm pretty sure he thought I would just give up five, 10 minutes. Matt would be done bored, but I stuck with it. Like it was important to me. I really wanted to do it. I wanted to show him Uh, and I didn't do it alone. I had help from the guys in the back. My dad helped me on some stuff. Like I got it all together. Uh, Even before that, they helped me pound in the new crank seals because that would be very easy to muck up and helped me uh, verify I had compression when I got the jug over the piston um, but I did get the uh, piston ring squeezed and the jug slid down all by myself. Probably helped. I had smaller fingers. I think it got harder as I got older. And then um, I got it all together. I had spark. I filled it up with fuel and uh, bar oil and I couldn't get it started. Asked my dad what I was doing wrong. He went out, pulled on it a couple of times, came back in, says, I know what you did. Take the carburetor back off. I, you know, he didn't uh, mock me or anything, but we popped the... Uh, Cover on the carburetor for the diaphragm. And I had on these particular carburetors, the diaphragm has to kind of lock into the lever that hooks up to the needle for the needle and seat. And he said he had done the same thing. Don't worry about it. Got it all together. Starts. And that's pure luck to have that situation available to me. And then kind of growing up around that mechanical type stuff and figuring things out. like That early on, that's what I cared about. I could really care less about taking it apart and put it back together. I wanted to figure out what was wrong. I wanted to be right. Was I right about that? Was it a correct fuel line? Whatever. And then they had a two-year college. The technical college was right there. I mean, literally two, three miles from my parents' house. It was just, circumstances leading up to me going to that, not that I was looking at auto repair in high school or out of, you know, as I was coming upon graduating, but circumstances led to that where I at least went to have something to fall back on. Dumb luck. Dumb luck that the college instructor from up there visits the shop class, asks questions that I can answer, and then goes and calls my parents because he knew who my parents were. That's just I have no control over that. So, you know, already I'm on this path. And then this college had, at least back then, some fairly modern equipment with scan tools and a big box analyzer The you know, the big box analyzers were probably starting to be on the way out, but very much relevant. And I saw that stuff and that's what made me want to know to do this. And the fact that Minnesota, we had a third year college, a third year program, I should say strictly aimed at diagnostics and it was three hours away and through you know luck skill education from the two-year whatever not to discount any of that pass the entrance exam they had a entrance exam pass that have my instructors call up there or call to these third-year instructors and say like you know we think this kid has what it takes and to go up there and meet them and go through the uh, third degree and get accepted into the program, which ends up being life-changing, absolutely life-changing. Because I guess, skipping around a little bit, my first job working on cars was at a Ford dealer in new car prep. And then Matt's ego gets involved and starts pushing to want to get put on the line. I had no business being on the line. I think They saw flashes of certain things, not mechanical, but deductive reasoning and and figuring out why certain things didn't work, but it still, it was not enough to be on the line. It was nowhere to that level yet, but they would see these flashes and they would give me enough stuff to go hang myself on. But I was impatient. It wasn't happening fast enough. They weren't letting me do what I wanted to do. uh, So I bailed and I went to uh, deliver parts for CarQuest for a while. That ends up accidentally being a really, really good thing, as odd as that may sound, because it allowed me time to process things and see things in action. So when delivering parts, right or wrong, I was probably, probably a distraction, but asking questions, seeing something, just kind of looking over somebody's shoulder, not for a long time, not trying to bug them or be an annoyance, but just see what's going on. And things starting to click a little bit. And then the parts stores are set up with how they have to, you know, like what percentage they can use for salaries or wages. Uh, they wanted to hire another full-time counter person. I was unwilling to quit school uh, to become a full-time parts counterman or anything like that. So they kind of had to let me go. And so I went to Tires Plus And way not my big. Way not my bag, but I ended up being able to make a fair bit of money. Like, I did pretty good income wise, but really hated every second of it. During that time, a mechanic for another very small repair shop who was doing a ton of work out of his house, or at least out of his garage, not his actual house. He's doing a lot of work out of his house, opens up his own shop. You know, I knew the guy, he was super nice. And uh, Tires Plus, I got a car that had a check engine light on, no scan tool. I flash-coded it with a paper clip. I kid you not. I went up to the front corner, grabbed a paper clip, flash-coded it, code 23. Of course, now I know what code 23 is. It was on a, a General Motors. I think it was a Buick Regal, 19, oh boy, 1984. Buick Regal had a feedback carburetor on it, 3.8 liter code 23. Well, I know what that is now, but then I had no idea. It's nine o'clock at night because that's the Hours Tires Plus was open. And I knew one place would be open. So I called this guy that had just opened his shop and he answered right away. And I asked him if he had helped me what the code description was. And he said, yeah, on one condition, if you come see me tonight. Uh, So he told me what the DTC was for, the throttle position sensor. I put a throttle position sensor in this carburetor and evidently fixed it. And uh, after my shift, 10 o'clock, I went over to this guy's shop and for a pay cut, I quit my job at Tires Plus and I went to work with him because he was going to let me do what I wanted to do. I had to do other stuff, a lot of other stuff, but I was going to get first dibs on diagnostics. And he had a reputation for being very good at diagnostics. And after I went to that third year course, I came back better. This is all luck. These aren't decisions I made, you know, shrewdly. No way. This is pure, dumb luck. Napa Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category. Ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit. Napa AutoCare is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit. Napa AutoCare has the largest network of independent professional shops in North America, with over 17,000 locations. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing with The already successful Know How for All campaign, which promotes auto care center specific offerings. You get support to promote your local repair facility with targeted media and local markets and improving channels. Utilize a full calendar year of promotions with Napa Auto Care Sales Driver promotions that are 100% fully funded by Napa. This includes free email marketing, digital and print point of sale materials. Connect to their national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the already nationally recognized Napa brand. Partner with Napa SmartSign to educate customers with engaging videos that tell the why behind a needed repair or service. You can access and edit digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Offer a credit solution to customers with Napa EasyPay Consumer Financing. Stay top of mind with your business's name embossed on the credit card. Have an online presence when consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. If you are interested in partnering with Napa AutoCare and capitalizing on the Napa Know How for All national marketing campaign, contact your salesperson or servicing Napa AutoCare Parts Store. Being in a shop that allows me to fail and succeed and fail and helps me where he can, they can and puts me in a position to really start focusing, even very specifically, we, the shop's starting to grow. So when I first started for this guy, it was Hammond and his brother, and then they hired me, and then we hired somebody else, and we kept growing and growing. And finally, there was a day, a very specific day, where there's a couple of vehicles in for electrical issues and i was putting an evaporator in a like a buick saber it was one you could do from the engine compartment they're really not that hard uh, i didn't even have to cut the foam rubber out of the way the noise bath stuff and they were really struggling with these electrical issues so after lunch the boss the owner tells us to switch so those two took over my evaporator job And I went on these two vehicles and that was really the last time I had to do much for R&R work, you know, maybe front brake job here and there, maybe super, super easy timing belt and two, three liter Fords. But it was generally the R&R work was very easy. They kept me figured out. And that's luck. That is luck ending up in that kind of an environment to cultivate a skill set. There's very little I had to do with that. Like, that's what I wanted. It's, of course, I tried to angle for it. But to have that happen like that, there's only so much credit I can take. And it isn't much. You know, I guess I'm not trying to turn this into a life story type thing, although that's probably exactly what this is. It's The reality is is how much success, again, whatever that means, is really less to do with the things we want to equate it with. Like, it'd be so... I shouldn't say it would be so, but it is often attributed to, you know, you're really smart, really intelligent, you're really hardworking, you've got a lot of perseverance, maybe a lot of integrity, maybe not, maybe a lack of integrity, I don't know. But these type of things are what we are taught, we are told, we would like to believe have to do with our successes. And yet, it turns out that's not quite the case. Now, that stuff's very important. Cause it puts you in the game. So the reality is, is after all that working in this shop, my luck could have really taken a bad shot. Not nearly as bad as my boss at that time, because been with him for about seven years, had no intentions of ever going anywhere else. And one fateful night, he goes on a snowmobile trip, gets into an accident and becomes paralyzed from the chest down and the shop closes. And now it's trying to navigate getting back to that environment I liked. And that was hard. That was really hard because other shops weren't set up like that and bouncing around a little bit and, you know, ending up at an, a pretty good situation uh, as a shop manager for a while. I don't think I was quite ready to be a shop manager. Like I was the numbers and the theories and all that. I had that down pretty good, you know, pretty good. I don't want to say like super high level, but enough that we could be successful. It was dealing with people and not so much customers, but fellow employees, colleagues, coworkers, stuff like that. Just not ready for it. Sometimes I wonder if I still am. The reality is, is then going to the training classes or trade shows and training conferences and stuff like that, I start meeting people and networking. And hanging out with, you know, I guess like-minded type of uh, individuals who were way smarter than me. And that leads to a job with what ends up being the largest distributor of Pico in for sure the United States, maybe North America. And, you know, having a three-year run there where, man, I learned so much and I got to network even more and meet so many different people. I didn't have A lot to do with that now you could the most you could say i did was put myself in a position you know started stacking odds right that's kind of about what i attribute most of life in the universe to is probabilities so i start stacking the probabilities in my favor and i have some things that aren't so much my choice that help stack the odds in my favor too with you absolutely have to have some certain level of intelligence Whatever that means, you know, whether it's average, slightly above, slightly below, I have enough of that to succeed and to have success in troubleshooting. Okay. So that, I mean, that's hard to ignore, right? That, and I'm by no means an exclusive company there. There's a lot of really, really, really smart people uh, in this profession and way smarter than me, but it's that right place at the right time, meeting the right people personalities, meshing really well, stuff like that. That's hard to really take credit for. I mean, it's just lucky. And going through that for a few years, really just missing home because to take that job, we had to move roughly you know, 14-hour drive away, coming back home, being able to uh, stay with my parents, my whole family with my parents for a while. It's lucky. Lucky to have that ability. And that puts you in a position to kind of lean back a little bit and try to find the right situation and finding a situation that allowed us to move out, buy a house, stuff like that. And then finding this shop that I'm at right now that gives me a lot of leash, a lot of leash that I regularly run and hang myself with. But, you know, the opportunity Uh, to do so much of what I like to do and care about doing. And then just knowing a guy who knows a guy is how I end up with this podcast. It really is, you know, through this timeline at a training conference, meeting Ryan Coyman and having him reach out to me to join him and somebody else I met through, really it was when I met John Thornton, and kind of became friends with him he's like i know somebody that went to that third year course that you went to and you know i'm gonna really need to introduce you to and then he gets the chance to introduce us and it's dan Baumhart, and he becomes and remains seriously one of my very very best friends just he really is no bs pure dumb luck. (laughs) It's just, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Ryan calls me up to ask me to join him and Dan on a podcast with Carm about AIC workshops and the test writing process uh, or process for my Canadian fans, for my Canadian listeners. And I guess to back this up about the luck is there's some studies out there that kind of support this, that the most successful typically will chalk it up to hard work, perseverance, intelligence. They just outworked everybody else. And that is not to take away from all of that because they wouldn't have been successful without it. But I think I've built up a pretty good case, especially in my circumstances, that how much of it had to do with just luck, right place, right time, right situation, you name it. And then, yeah, okay. There has to be some skill. There has to be some talent. There has to be some, you know, intelligence level. There has to be perseverance. You know, they're like, I don't want to ever discount the many, many midnight, one, two, three a.m. Sitting on my laptop, sitting on my computer, sitting on IATN, sitting on IATN chat, sitting on org, spending a lot of money on. Books, papers, spending my own money to go to training conferences. I mean, that shouldn't be discounted either. But there's a lot of people that do that. There's many, many people that do that same very thing. And they, I guess I don't want to imply that they're not successful. I don't know. But, you know, maybe they didn't desire certain things, but that doesn't always guarantee whatever success, you know, and that gets into that really gray area of I don't know what that means. So, If we take it off of just auto mechanics, auto technicians, podcasters, and go to the business world, there's a lot of really, really smart people, a lot of really, really hardworking people that didn't get certain breaks others did. Because if they would have got those breaks, they did have those other attributes, you know, the perseverance, the work ethic, the intelligence, all of that, if they would have got those breaks they would have capitalized on them too. And I guess maybe that's the moral of this story is thinking about things like probabilities, thinking about things in relationship to probabilities, stacking the odds in your favor to achieve success, that when you are in the right place at the right time, that you have the ability to capitalize on it, giving yourself the ability to be in the right place at the right time and to increase the number of opportunities of being in the right place at the right time. And I'm not even trying to imply that that's like predictable, but if things are going to happen through channels, mainly of meeting people, then you have to put yourself in the best position to meet people. Whether that's face-to-face at a training conference or a trade show or on social media, interacting with people, usually in a positive manner, Another huge, huge thing in increasing your chances or shots at a lucky break is helping somebody else get their lucky break that I don't know if that can be overstated because that's a big deal. When you put other people in a position to succeed, to get their big break, it starts to rack up the probabilities that you're going to get that lucky break, whatever that may mean, right? Some of the stuff we're talking about is kind of fuzzy on purpose uh, because it has to be. And kind of going back a little bit on the studies, one study I found is I think 1985 concerning hockey players, big surprise, Minnesota, going to talk about hockey, that the uh, overwhelming number of um, NHL players, namely I would say from USA and Canada, were born In the early part of the year, January through like March, April, overwhelming. The reason being is the cutoff dates that if you were born in the earlier part of the year, when you got up to that cutoff date, you were older, you were older, you were more developed mentally, physically. And because of that, because you had this advantage, you were given more playing time. So even though over the years, the physical mental gaps, if you will, start to shrink, time, ice time, game time, you know, like game ice time is really tough to make up. Not impossible, but again, probabilities drop. They drop significantly. There's a fair bit of luck involved in the success of being a professional hockey player. If you were born lucky enough to be born in a certain part of the year, Gave you a much better chance of succeeding than someone born later in the year, and we find that another study, I believe, out of Italy, kind of shows that this luck stuff follows the Preto law of distribution. Prato law of distribution—many of you may not know it by that term. It's also known as the eighty-twenty rule. And it turns out luck kind of starts following this distribution, which is pretty mind-boggling. I guess maybe to start winding this down is I will have really, really missed the mark if you're looking at wherever you are and determining that you feel you're unsuccessful. And that becomes a really dangerous thought process just because what does it even mean? If you're trying to compare income levels, that might be a horrible way of going about it. And that's not trying to, you know, downplay it or tell you that you should be happy with what you're making. But it gets to be much more granular. You have to really start looking at specifics if you're going to start comparing yourself. You know, there's a I was just talking about meeting people face to face or via social media. Well, social media can be very, very dangerous because you're now getting this window into other people's life. The problem is, is the window isn't across the street. It might be across the country and things are much different that. You're no longer comparing apples to apples anymore. So just be careful with that. The number one thing is, are you happy? Are you content? That would be, I think, two really big, you know, one, two, if you will, or maybe combined. They have to be combined. One really important determining factors on success. Like if you're happy, really seriously, how, what else is there? But if you feel like you're not, that start thinking about things in probabilities You have to start stacking odds in your favor to get the lucky breaks, if you will, and putting yourself in a position to get them, receive them, capitalize on them. And a lot of times to set up the lucky breaks, keep in mind, you might have to help somebody else get their lucky break. So having said that, thinking about probabilities, you also have to kind of almost in reference to um, an episode I did with Uh, Hawk and light, big hockey fan, by the way, would have been uh episode 44 that control what you can control, control what you can control. What you can control is your attitude, looking for the breaks, creating breaks for others, perseverance. That's a choice study, put yourself in the best position possible, very much in your control. The other stuff is just try to keep your eyes open because it's not. It's not in this. You're not in as much control as you think you are. I mean, come on, watch Days of Thunder. That would be my plea. Not so much to watch Days of Thunder, although it wouldn't be a waste of hour and a half. That stack the odds in your favor, keep your eyes open. It just, I can't stress it enough. Look to help out others because it just, whether you want to chalk it up to karma or fate or whatever, it does have a positive effect on your breaks and your lucky breaks and your luck in general. It really does. I really appreciate everyone listening. Thank you so much to Napa Auto Care for sponsoring. Thank you to the Aftermarket Radio Network for making this all possible. And again, keep the messages coming. The emails coming. You can reach me at Matt podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'm pretty easy to find on social media. You can private message me. And uh, until next time, take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.